Welcome, Avalanche fans. Uh, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, episode one, I thought it'd be a little bit more eventful than uh, what we have in store today. Uh, Avalanche just finished a uh, not-so-good game. <laughs> There's really no other way to put that against the Dallas Stars losing 4-1. to one. Not much really went well for them, and we'll get into that stuff. Uh, in, in just a second, but some housekeeping in the beginning. Um, our Twitter page is up and running, um, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche, so give a follow there. Um, our Gmail is up, lockedonavalanche at gmail.com, so you can send any questions, comments, or right now concerns um, about the Avalanche, or just things in general if you want. Um, and yeah, I think we're up and running on pretty much every platform right now. I received an email, honestly, shortly before we just started recording this saying we're live on every platform. Usually iTunes is the last one and I'm pretty sure we're up on there now. Um, so, and, and I literally did this, like I was just kind of searching for lockdown avalanche, um, through Google and stuff like that. And, and I would literally get returns of people being locked out of their Chevy Avalanche truck. So um, hopefully when you search Locked on Avalanche, you'll get more of this show uh, compared to getting locked out of your Avalanche car or truck. Which if you have done that, I guess that's some helpful information for you, but um, I hope this show supersedes that. All right, so um, yeah, this game against Dallas pretty much just sums up where the Avalanche are right now. Um, and it sums up where Dallas is headed, too. Uh, these are two teams that are, are going in opposite directions from where they started the season. Um, Avalanche obviously got off to that very hot start, maybe the hottest team in the league. Dallas, maybe the the worst team in the league uh, to start. And how two weeks can change that. Uh, these are it's it's just an incredible dynamic between these two teams and where they are headed. Um, this game in particular was just a weird flow to this game. Um, it started off as bad as it can be for Colorado, um, and and like I said, we'll get into the specifics later. Right now, we're just kind of going through a summary of the game. But when you give up a goal 19 seconds into the game, uh, you're automatically fighting an uphill battle, and Colorado is already fighting an uphill battle just, you know, through their season right now. Um, I don't want to make it seem like they're in dire straits and, and this season is lost and all that stuff. I'm not going that far, but um, they, they just lack confidence. And it's amazing how two guys, and you know who those two guys are, Gabe and Miko, not being there hurts this team. I mean, what happened to all of these off-season acquisitions that we had that were supposed to cure the secondary scoring and shoring up the defense and all this other stuff. Like, now is the time where those guys need to step up, and they're just not doing it. Nobody is. Um, it, it, it's kind of bizarre. I, I really thought with the injuries to to Gabe Landeskog and Miko Rantanen that these guys would take this opportunity because these guys knew these guys knew coming into this season and coming onto this Avalanche team what the problem was last year, that 
you know, it was a, a one line team. That's what everybody was saying in NHL circles. It wasn't any surprise to them. That's probably why they came here because they saw some potential and all they needed was some help on the back end. And where where are they? They started off pretty hot, but they are just tailing off incredibly. Kadri got off to a fantastic start. He's kind of like, I mean, they're playing hard. I don't want to say that they're not playing hard, but um, just the goals are not coming. This Would you really think that this team could only score one, one goal or no goals against Arizona? Arizona is a pretty good defensive team. But I thought we were supposed to be one of the better offensive teams. Even without Gabe Landeskog and Miko Rantanen, you still should be able to score goals. You really shouldn't be getting shut out. I don't think so at all. But I think part of it is from the opposition standpoint, uh, there's there's two things that an opposition hates. Uh, they, they hate the defending champion, whoever that may be. Right now, obviously, it's St. Louis. Um and they, they, they hate a team that is unproven but is getting a lot of accolades to start a season. Um, and I don't want to sound like the Avalanche haven't proven anything in the past couple of years because they have. Uh, they, they've gone further in the past two years than a lot of people had thought they would. But coming out of a season like they had last year, they were kind of like the hot ticket item. And other teams don't like that when you haven't proven anything. Look at like the Cleveland Browns in the NFL. It's well, 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 well documented that Cleveland has not won anything in a very, very long time. They get some talent on the team, and now all of a sudden, everybody wants to anoint them. Not, not you know, they're gonna overtake the New England Patriots or anything like that, but a threat to their throne, maybe. And what are they doing? They're falling flat on their face because it's the Cleveland Browns, and they don't know how to win. Trust me, I'm not comparing the the Colorado Avalanche to uh, Cleveland at all. What I'm saying is teams don't like other teams that are getting all these accolades and they haven't shown anything yet. Um, and the other side of it is, was Colorado, was it, I mean, this hot start that they got out to, is, is that that's a thing of the past. Very long past. And were they the beneficiaries of them starting off hot while other teams were just getting going. It's the start of a season. Sometimes it takes a couple weeks to gel. Um, Dallas is a perfect example of that. Um, So was Colorado benefiting from that, from other teams needing those couple weeks to get going? And Colorado, they have the talent, and I think the talent came through. And now other teams are getting their legs, they're getting their cohesion, and they're starting to play better than Colorado is right now. So that's kind of where we stand. Um, and, and it's not getting easier. You got one day off, and New England is looking down your throat. At, or New England, excuse me. Nashville. <laughs> Two completely different parts of the country. Uh, Nashville is looking right at you. And they're not going to stop. So... Um, It'd be interesting to see where we go from here. If I told you the Colorado Avalanche would have eight power plays and I gave you different uh, numbers on how many of those power plays that they succeeded on, I don't think anybody would select a zero. But that's what happened today. 
zero for eight in power plays. That cannot happen. <laughs> that really can't happen with this team. Um, I did the game review when Colorado played Vegas, and that second period was a thing of beauty. That was the one of the most dominant periods I've seen in a long time from Colorado, and that is a thing of the past. Uh, it, it's it's kind of baffling as to where they are right now. Um, you know, and, and this this is a team that's beaten Boston. Boston has one loss in the season, and it's to Colorado. They beat Washington. They beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is struggling a little bit right now, but they beat Tampa Bay early in the season when people were still thinking Tampa Bay was going to be what they were last year. Uh, you you put Colorado up against those teams right now, and you might as well not show up <laughs> because they don't have a shot, and it's it, the, just the confidence is shot. Uh, so it, we'll, we'll, I don't know. We'll go through these these periods. Uh, it's it's going to be a bit ugly, but it's something that we got to do, you know. And and, and is is there any good that can be taken of all of this? I think there is, um, and we'll get into that too. So as we get into this game, um, we'll get to the whole broken stick thing uh, down the road and, and kind of get into that. But let's not kid ourselves. That's not really what lost the game for it, for the for us. Um, you know, like I stated earlier, 19 seconds into this game, you're already down one nothing, And Sam Girard turned the puck over right in front of their own goal. And Grubauer had a save and it just, you know, had a juicy rebound and it was just an easy goal for Dallas early on. And and right off the bat, like when you're watching the game, you just have to sink your head and you're, you're thinking to yourself, like we hear all the time from, from coach Bednar, but like this team is not ready to play. They had a pretty good layoff um, from their last game. And you would think they'd be ready to go and pumped up. And even though you're on the road, but to, to give up a goal 19 seconds in, uh, is brutal, and they tried to challenge it, which Colorado's been pretty good with their challenges this year. Uh, they tried to challenge it based on a goalie interference, didn't really hold up. It was, I think it was reviewed for maybe 10 seconds, and there really was no goalie interference there. So they're immediately down. And then Donskoy gets a, a really bad holding call. Uh, not, It wasn't a bad call. It was a good call. It was just bad on Donskoy because he, he lost his stick and to kind of keep up with – who he's defending, he just flat out grabs them. Uh, there's another penalty a couple minutes after that, ten, just about 10 minutes into the game, and Colorado has already had three penalties. And that was the kind of the running theme of this entire game, penalties on both sides. But halfway through the first period, Colorado's got uh, three penalties, really bad. They, they killed them all, I'm pretty sure, I, I believe. But still, you're, you're playing a man down for just about like half of the first period is not good. Um, it, it, there was a Kadri penalty, which was kind of bogus because he got into it with Pavelski who kind of gave Grubrauer a snow shower. Obviously Kadri didn't like it too much um, and kind of ripped his helmet off and he got the penalty. Pavelski got nothing. Um, Colorado's first shot on goal did not come until three thirty one left in the first Again, something that cannot happen. Uh, this team is way too talented for that. And and the, the Kadri penalty eliminated uh, Colorado's first power play. So they had a chance to really get back in the game. Um, 
and that kind of blew it for them in the first power play. But the, also another running theme was Colorado not getting really much of anything on any power play. Um, it, it, it the Vegas game, like I keep going back to that second period. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, this first period was was god awful, and if it wasn't for JT Comfer scoring a goal with 30 seconds left um, on an absolute laser wrist shot. Uh, I didn't even know it went in. It, it had so much force coming out of the net. Um, it, it would have been a completely lost period. Uh, it pretty much was, but that was the one saving grace. And they went in and they were down uh, two to one. So they had a, a puncher's chance in this. Um, and then coming out into the second, they, they were very dominant, um, which is been their thing this year it takes them an entire period to get going and in the second period they are the aggressors um they had early power play opportunities they didn't connect on those but at least they had some and their power play has got to get going uh it's just a little bit too slow um and this is a team built on speed their passes are are they're not too they're not quick enough um, they kind of hold the puck for a little too long, let the defense get back into the position, and then they decide to pass again. They need to do bang, 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 tic-tac passes, and they're not doing that. Um, so, again, the second period, much improved. Um, they kind of got back into the game a little bit. They, like I said, they were the aggressors, but all for not um, really couldn't get past uh, the Dallas goalie, Bishop. Who that guy's just a beast. Um, I think he's like that Geico commercial with the sea lion in front of goal. He's just too big; he can't get past him. Um, so we move to the third, and this is where things got really interesting. And this is where a lot of meetings are going to be had <laughs> within the NHL with this whole broken stick. Um, if you didn't see it, uh, and, I, and I don't remember the name of the player, even though they showed the replay 50 times, uh, I'm more concerned with the, with the call than who the player was. Uh, there was a shot from the from just inside the blue line. Grubauer, he he saved he saved it, and it had a short rebound. But on the way, the puck on the way nailed the shaft of this player's stick and broke it, but didn't break it into like right in half. It wasn't a clean break. Um, so when he put his stick down on the ice and hit, uh, the you know, he, he I think he hit it with backhanded it. That's what broke the stick. And Bednar challenged that. And at first glance, you're like, yeah, that shouldn't count. When you look at it over and over and over again, and this is what replay does. Uh, you know, we are in a world of, of microseconds. Um, and if that's a good or bad play or not, if there's, you know, we got hosed on it on the in the playoffs last year in San Jose with Landeskog in eighth of an inch, his skate on the ice or whatever the case may be. But this is the world that we live in right now. And um, his stick, when he went to go hit it, technically was not bent or broken. I think it was broken on the inside of the shaft and just that little bit of backhand was enough to break it as he's doing it. It's no different than when if somebody hits a slap shot and his stick shatters uh, as he hits that slap shot and it goes in. That goal counts. So on replay, common sense says the, the, the stick was broke 
when the puck hit it coming through. But it you can't see it bend enough to be definitive on that. Does is the puck going to break on a on a measly little backhand right in front of the net? No, but it wasn't tilted or it wasn't cracked enough when it happened for them to overrule it. And and it sucks, but that's that's just where where we are with that. The interesting thing is right at the that happened at the end of the second, right at the beginning of the third. This is why I like the NHL. They they put out a a uh, memo immediately. Um, and this is what it said. It said, Colorado requested a coach's challenge to review if Dallas's, oh, there's his name. I should have looked at that. Uh, Radic Faxa scored a goal with a broken stick. This play does not fit the, ap- the applicable standards for a missed game stoppage event in the offensive zone under Rule 38.10. Therefore, Colorado has assessed a four-minute double minor penalty for delaying the game on their second unsuccessful challenge, according to the rule. So, Colorado couldn't challenge the broken stick. You can't challenge that. You can challenge the that the game should have been stopped. But this rule is saying that Colorado couldn't ch- couldn't challenge that the game should be stopped based on that broken stick. So number 1, why not? And number 2, why did the refs then allow the challenge? I don't have answers to those. It was a very bizarre sequence. Uh, they they kept the goal on the board. That put it at three to one, um, and from there on, it was it was doom and gloom from from that point on. You just Avalanche were, were generating really nothing again. Uh, you knew they weren't going to get anything past Bishop, and the, the very last goal they got was Corey Perry. Uh, when things are going bad, they're going bad. And uh, Corey Perry kind of just kind of threw the puck. He was kind of right on the side of the net, kind of threw the puck just in the direction of Grubauer, and it just bounced right off his back. You know when when basketball players, when they're taking the ball out of um, underneath the hoop and the defensive player, for whatever reason, has his back to him and he kind of just throws it off his back as inbounds, bounces off his back and gets it? It's basically what it did to Grubauer's back. Puck went off his back and right into the goal. And that was two goals that were kind of fluky. Uh, The one in the first, it kind of like bounced up in the air. And you got to see the replay of it. It kind of bounced up in the air and Grubauer were going to reach for it behind him. It didn't get him. Like I said, when things are not going your way, they're they're not going to go your way until you fix it. And right now the Avalanche are having a tough time fixing it. Um, And then from there it was just – it was ugly. Like just the last five minutes – <clears throat> Excuse me. The they just seemed like they were going through the motions. Uh, they they had they had so many power plays in the end that obviously came up for naught. And uh, I think it was Comfer got stripped at his own blue line, and they, they had an, uh, another chance to go in uh, for another goal on shorthanded. Grubauer made the made the save, but it just stuff like that. It, it, you, I mean, you knew the game was over for to want to get it, but. Um, it, it just everything that seemed to go wrong today went wrong. There was no flow to the game, like I stated earlier. It was just ugly from 19 seconds in. And when that happened, I, very, very few times over the past couple seasons have I really thought the Avalanche are really out of it. But after that happened, uh, even though it was one to nothing, the way the first period went, if you watched that first period, you knew it was going to be a long day. And then, you know, just the, the overrated power plays, the whole stick rule, 
it was just ugly from top to bottom. And um, the Avalanche got to get things going. Now, I stated earlier, is, is there any good to this? Well, yeah, I think you can take positives. Not, maybe not out of this particular game. But, <coughs> excuse me. With the exception of the, the elite teams, which this year seemed to be like Boston and Washington, and then the really bad teams like Ottawa and we'll say Minnesota because we're Avalanche fans. Those teams really don't have ups and downs. It's really usually really up or really down. And everybody in the middle has these spurts where they're doing excellent and where they're doing bad. Everybody has everybody goes through it. Avalanche went through it last year. When the calendar changed, they had an awful January and February. And it was one of those things where it's like, should the Avalanche uh, sell everything and just look forward to next season or pick up some pieces at the trade deadline. And, you know, they picked up Broussard and that was about it. And they made the playoffs and they they finished strong. But teams go through this. Um, is it good that the Avalanche are going through it now? Maybe that's the only thing good thing you can take out of this is that this is still a young team um, and, and they don't have that cohesion. It's a young team and it's a new team. They, they added a lot of new people in the offseason. So Maybe they need to go through this. Maybe that that like I stated earlier that the the opening uh, the eight one and one start was they were the beneficiary of other teams needing to get going, and now they need to get going. So it's not look they're 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 a good team. They're missing two of their best players. They'll get them back. I, I the seasons you know we don't have to wave the white flag. We don't need to have a fire sale. I still think the Avalanche are going to make the playoffs. I still have confidence that they will go deep into the playoffs. Uh, it's just when things like this happen, it's it's ugly, and we all get all flustered. And and is is this, did we put too much stock into this team this year? I don't think we did. I still think this is a very good team. Um, it's just it's almost like when you get sick early in the in the in the year, uh, get it out of the way in the fall, so you're not sick in the winter. So that's exactly what I hope the Calgary Avalanche are doing right now. So the Avalanche get a day off on Wednesday and come back on Thursday to play the uh, Nashville Predators. And um, despite the the bad play lately, the Avalanche still are in third place overall in their division. And this is a big game. Um, right now, Avalanche stand at eight five and two. Predators are nine four and two. So the Avalanche win this game outright in regulation. They're tied with with Nashville. Um, the game is is at the Pepsi Center, so obviously that helps. And um, we'll see where it goes. But um, things need to turn around. They they can't. They they know that Miko and and Landeskog are not going to be around for a while. They know Landeskog is not going to be around. The, the when you get labeled indefinite. That's bad. Uh, Miko was week to week. I think we're one and a half weeks into the week to week. So who knows what that really means? But you can't rely on that. Like now is the time to learn how to play without those guys. Because what happens if they come back and then McKinnon goes down? God forbid. You, 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 you're NFL. Your NFL. Your NHL players. Your pros. You made it to this level. It's time to step up. Guys like I mean, Comfort had a really good uh, first period with that goal, and he, it carried over into the second, and then he disappeared. McKinnon is McKinnon; he's going to be the best player on the ice each and every night. But some of those other guys that we were hoping could step up this year, new guys and guys that have been on the Avs for a few years now, 
could really take that net next step. And we've seen glimpses, and then it's gone. Tyson Jost, hat trick. I don't think he's had a point since then. That was a few games ago. So there just needs to be more consistency. I think they will get there. Um, it just needs to happen sooner rather than later. So uh, we will see. Tomorrow we'll probably have some uh, uh, coaches' corner and uh, hearing some things that Coach Bedner had to say about the game. Obviously, probably not too happy. <coughs> excuse me. I'm coming. I, I've had a cold. My whole family's sick, so you have to excuse the coughing. Um, so we'll have some takes from him, some players, updated news, um, and a preview of the Nashville-Colorado game that's on Thursday. So my daughter wanted to be a part of this show, so uh, I'm going to send you out with uh, her Go Avs Go chant at the end of every episode. So here's my daughter, Jovi. See you guys tomorrow. Go Avs Go!